The Israel Report with Rolene Marks. Well, certainly the judicial process uh, is taking the spotlights more and more by the day with the override bill now passing the first reading. Joining us now, Rolene Marks, our correspondent from Israel. Good afternoon, Rolene. Thanks for joining well, us. Always a pleasure. Well, I tell you, it definitely is dominating everything, including apparently the European Parliament, who are set to hold a debate on the legal overhaul this evening. I mean, I don't know why the EU Parliament is holding a debate on something that doesn't necessarily affect any of their member countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but wow. um, nevertheless, they are doing that, and this follows an announcement from our Foreign Minister, Ellie Cohen, who has accused the EU foreign policy chief of equating Israeli terror victims with ter- with uh, terrorists. He uh, wrote in an op-ed last week, violence on the part of Israeli settlers in the West Bank is increasingly threatening Palestinian lives and livelihoods almost always with impunity. Moreover, Israeli military operations frequently cause civilian Palestinian deaths, often without effective accountability. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you cannot draw a moral equivalence between uh, terrorists and um, civilians. But uh, that aside, just a kind of a public service announcement, but also related to the overhaul. Thousands of vehicles will drive on access roads to Ben-Gurion Airport and inside the airport area on Wednesday, that's tomorrow, in an attempt to disrupt Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's flight to Berlin. Now, I don't know what time he he, uh, takes off tomorrow, but uh, this will apparently only affect roads leading to the airport. And there has been an announcement or a call for travelers to use the trains. So if you are listening in Israel, and I know we do have Israeli listeners, or if you're in South Africa uh, making your way to or from Ben Gurion Airport tomorrow, just please be aware of that. Okay, so Roland, let's uh, take a closer look at this override bill which uh, passes its first reading. What are we dealing with there? So this is the crux of the judicial overhaul. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are other issues um, around the um, appointment of judges, etc. But the override uh, clause is the main bone of uh, contention. So essentially what this means is that if passed, the override clause would see a majority of 61 members of Knesset be able to overrule any ruling by the High Court or the Supreme Court. Now, this could mean anything. This could mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, overruling something that pertains to the military, a particular area of sensitivity. It could also mean overruling a decision uh, possibly about elections or how long a prime minister can serve. So it's all these things, all these issues uh, which could severely impact on Israel's uh, democratic norms or or Israel's democracy, we could find ourselves running into a a, a massive, massive issue, which is why you hear so many Israeli protesters say that this takes us a step towards um, Israel effectively becoming more like Hungary or or, or Turkey or uh, seriously impairing Israel's democracy. Now, just to remind our listeners, Israel doesn't have a constitution like South Africa does. 
that uh, it protects and enshrines uh, South African democracy. Uh, the South African constitution is considered one of the most progressive in the world. But we do have, uh, we're also not a tricameral uh, system of government. We only have one um, uh, one seat of the government, that's the Knesset. And so we are dependent on the Supreme Court to maintain right. those checks and balances. So this is why there is such a, uh, um, a resistance mm. to this being uh, put forward. Roland, something I picked up on earlier on, one of the definitions, I think you did allude to that uh, earlier, but now this legislation would, uh, it would allow only the, the court rather to order a prime minister's removal in cases of mental or physical incapacity. So what, what you've, what you've mentioned earlier on, th- this situation can lend itself to various forms of interpretation and abuse. Well, absolutely. So hence we're seeing this massive uh, uh, protest movement. And, and I also want to stress, we're not just seeing protests, as many think, in sort of lefty elitist areas. Uh, and we're not just seeing protests, you know, right versus left. This weekend we saw protests in what some would call the, the, the settlements in Judea and Samira, mm-hmm. in Givat Shaul, and Givat... Uh, um, uh, and, and Gush Etzion, people taking to the streets and, and, and protesting. But the issue with regards to a prime minister is another bill that is a, a, an issue of contention, and that's another uh, bill that went for its first reading last night. So essentially right. what that would see is uh, the High Court be blocked from ordering a prime minister, sitting prime minister, to recuse themselves from any activity um, and any case where there's conflict of interest, which would um, only allow the court to order the prime minister's removal in cases of mental or physical in uh, incapacity, and that passed with a, a 61 to okay. 51 votes. So uh, this is why there is such, a, 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 and I really hope that people who often say it's about election results or, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a leftist response or uh, the other one that I, I, I'm really not a fan of is that, you know, you can't accept uh, um, the, <laughs> that the party that perhaps you didn't vote for is in power. This is a real, real issue here. And, and what is very interesting is we do not see somebody like Yuli Edelstein, who is considered one of the strongest um, liquid members of Knesset, members, a real stalwart. We didn't see him present in the room for this. And he is somebody who has spoken out uh, right. about putting the brakes on on uh, these overhauls. I'm certain that we're going to be well. We're going to be. You're going to be rather elaborating on this tomorrow, given how things are transpiring right now regarding this uh, issue. Uh, let's move on, Roland, to the Islamic Fatwa Council, who's declared a fatwa against Hamas. Yes, so this is very, very interesting news. So mm-hmm. what is a, a, a fatwa and who are the um, the IFC? So a fatwa basically is an Islamic religious decree and it's made by a, an Islamic jurist who has to be uh, uh, recognized. Okay. And the IFC is the um, Islamic Fatwa Council. 
Okay, so they have announced that they have ruled uh, or, or they have declared a fatwa against mm-hmm. Hamas. Now, Hamas are internationally recognized as a terror entity, a, a terror group. This is a, a accepted all over the world, including at the United Nations. Now, they are not issuing a fatwa because of um, Hamas's genocidal charter or them firing rockets against uh, Israeli civilians. What they are doing is they're saying that they charge Hamas with violating the laws of the Holy Quran. They say that uh, um, they hold Hamas responsible for their terror against Palestinian civilians in Gaza. This is hugely hugely significant. Uh, you know, they go on to say that um, they've issued their fatwa because the Quran says it is forbid, it is prohibited to pray for mm-hmm. joint support finance or fight on behalf of Hamas. And uh, that it is the responsibility of the Islamic seminaries to take a clear and firm stance in light of the inhumane actions of Hamas. So this is uh, you know, they're not talking vis-a-vis the conflict. They talk, they're speaking specifically about how uh, Hamas and, and the rule of the Gaza Strip impacts Palestinians. And nowhere is it mentioned anything about conflict with Israel, Israel or anything. This is putting the blame squarely on Hamas. And it is uh, the first time I think we've seen such a... Um, a, a declaration coming from co-religionists. Very interesting. Um, it's going to be. I think by tomorrow we're going to be discussing Hamas's reaction to this, no doubt. Rolene, we don't have much time uh, left uh, to chat, so let's look at our last item very quickly. The women of Sederot and Rahat putting on a play together. Tell us about this. Well, this I thought uh, was lovely, and we do need some positive news, especially right some now. Some good so news, right. The, uh, Feel good the stories. Rahat, which is predominantly uh, Bedouin, you mm-hmm. know, Muslim Arabs who are Bedouin, and the women of Sterot, which is, we all know, is the most bunker town in the world, having yeah. faced a never-ending onslaught of rockets and mortar fire coming sure. from the Gaza Strip. They have put on a plane. It's called The Legend of the Woman Who Wanted. And what they want to do is they want to show coexistence. They want to show how the women of the South, especially in these areas, uh, live together, what they endure especially in light that both communities come under threat by the, the constant rocketing. And they say, you know, the idea of forming a, a common uh, theatre troupe mm-hmm. between the two cities was born spontaneously, uh, one day in the mind of Nimor Cohen. Um, she, she's the head of a community centre in Sterot. And it's a great way to get to know each other. They mm-hmm. perform it both in Arabic and in Hebrew. And, it's a, and it just brings hearts and minds and people together and helps us understand each other's communities and our cultures. And I thought it was just a lovely way or something lovely just for sure. once uh, to share on the Israel. Well, at least they demonstrate, uh, shall we say, an exact shining example of solidarity there, uh, something that others could possibly learn from in politics and the judicial system perhaps. Rolin, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon to give us uh, a full update as to what's happening in Israel right now. Roly Marks, our correspondent from Israel.